Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Just a quick thing before we begin today's podcast. Are unpleasant symptoms of digestion getting you down? Bloating, abdominal pain, constipation, indigestion, IBS, bowel dysfunction, SIBO, colitis? Well, We are now accepting new applications for our group physiotherapy program. To learn more, go to ecophysio.com forward slash group and submit an application and we will get in contact with you once we receive it to see if it's a good fit for our program. Welcome back everybody to the show. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring presence and personal growth in business. And my guest today is Susan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Madeline. It's great to be here. I'm really excited, not for uh, for two reasons. Firstly, this is an exciting topic that I am so excited about jamming out with you with kind of like a plan in mind, but I'm not really quite sure where this conversation is going to go. And that is the whole thing of presence, the unfolding as it needs to. So I'm excited about that. And I'm also excited just to listen to your accent. I'm not going to lie. Oh, thank you for saying that. It's funny. You know, I suppose when it's your accent, you don't think that other people enjoy it. And so it's always lovely when somebody says, I like your accent. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So before we kind of dive into the conversation, I thought like, let's uh, let's get to know you a little bit better and like, tell us a little bit about you before we kind of dive into this convo. Cool. Well, my name is Susan Nikriadon and that is a Gaelic name. So I'm Irish and that's where I grew up in Ireland and did my schooling through Irish. And that's why I've kept that Irish version of my name. And it's always a conversation piece. I haven't lived in Ireland for probably over 20 years now. I, after school, I did, a, um, I went to university, studied business, and then went on and studied accountancy and worked with one of the big four, well, big six at the time. And back in 2000, when I graduated that, what most people were doing was going to Australia uh, just to experience work life in a different way. So I went to Australia for originally 12 months but ended up staying for two years and I think the biggest thing I learned over in Australia was that there was more to life than work the Australians were so good at leaving like work behind and exploring life so when I came back to Europe that was my goal was to understand how I could kind of not work as much be more not do as much It's taken me a very long time to get to this point. And in that kind of journey, I worked with international organizations like development organizations, humanitarian organizations. I spent time in Africa. I've lived in Switzerland. I've gone back to university and studied nationalism and ethnic conflict because I wanted to know more about identity and what made people fight for their country or believe in a cause so much that it would you know spur them on to violence and were there ways of dealing with the world without violence you know and so it's been a very long exploration I left finance behind somewhere in over 10 years ago now and did more general management coaching really coaching some senior leaders in an organization I was in I was their line manager but they were experts in their own right they didn't need someone telling them what to do they needed someone to bounce off of and to challenge their thinking and to help them get the best out of their teams and that's what led me then to starting my own business when I moved to the UK and I suppose 
being interested from a personal perspective on presence and embodiment and more not just pure like conversational work in with teams and organizations but is there more to this amazing i'm just i'm like i'm sitting here nobody can see me but my hands like resting on my face and i'm just like wow that's that's cool you know i'm always just like really interested in hearing um you know, how people got to where they are. And you've obviously seen so much and, you know, experienced so many different aspects that have like really informed uh, your curiosity for that further development and that further growth. And like, what's sort of, what lays deeper beyond just the surface level. And it's like, as you're speaking and, and talking about this, like life work balance, and it's, it's sort of bringing these experiences and memories to my mind of like, when we traveled to um, Hawaii, like as a family, we, we went kind of for, I think like six or seven consecutive years um, and spent Christmas together there. And I just remember the, the sense of the lifestyle being different. Like, even though I was there as a, as a tourist, but interacting with people who were living there, they very much also was like, okay, work's done. Now it's like, do the, you know, do sort of the next thing. Um, and then it flashes also now to me traveling with, you know, my family, um, you know, my husband and my daughter uh, to Costa Rica. And it's, and it's, and it's even more like acutely aware of that life work balance because of the just the climate like in the middle of the day when it's like 32 plus like they need to take rest time you can't like it's hard to work at that heat right so it's kind of almost like a forced like extended lunch break um and it's just so interesting you know to see myself sometimes you know because when we're there and the power goes out you know like here we're like if it goes out for longer than 20 minutes this is like a travesty right over there the power could be out for like four or five hours you know because it's just like when we get to it is when we're gonna get to it and it's so interesting to be witnessing my own inner kind of response to this like no, no, it's like, hurry up, like, let's get it done. And, and so having to really challenge myself to slow down, like you don't see that contrast in your day-to-day -day life of just like how you're hustling and bustling constant. And then you get this contrast of like what it means to slow down. And it's actually really uncomfortable. It's that's fascinating. And there were so many things pinging for me while you were talking. But one of the things I was thinking about when I went to Africa first, I mean, this was 2003. So, you know, we were still kind of internet and everything. Connectivity wasn't like it is today. But I was out there as an accountant and invariably there would be no power in the office. And I would have to go to the local internet cafe to email things back to Ireland where the head office was. And you had no choice but to slow down. There were, we went, we used to do load sharing, what they called load sharing in Kampala with electricity. So during a week, I would have 12 hours of electricity for three days in a row, nothing at night, and then it would go the other way no electricity for 12 hours during the day and electricity at night. So everything was present moment. You couldn't keep milk in the fridge, you know? You really had to live for the here and now. And I suppose even though, you know, obviously we, well not obviously, but I did work hard. There was a lot of, I probably worked harder over there and spent more time at work than I would have done if I was living in this part of the world at the time. But there was still just a different way of living. 
and a different appreciation of things. And because I couldn't bring anything with me, almost 20 kilos was my luggage allowance, you know, 40 something pounds. And that's it. That's all you brought with you. And so you really lived frugally, for want of a better term. And I suppose you realize that you don't need a lot to be happy. You don't need a lot to entertain yourself, to go about your day, to have a fulfilling work life. That that makes me kind of laugh a little bit because um, like when we travel to Costa Rica, we actually only take carry on. We don't we don't actually take luggage. So the one year because my daughter was like um, like between one and two. So I needed to bring this like little tent for her to sleep in and some things. And um, so it was like the one time we checked the luggage. Okay. And what I did was I made sure to take three, three sets of clothes for myself and three sets of clothes for the baby in my carry on in case the luggage got lost. Well, wouldn't you know it that the luggage never left Toronto Pearson airport And then we ended up getting it like eight days later, it arrived in Costa Rica. So like, thankfully we were there for about three weeks. Otherwise that would have been really pointless. And I just, the simplicity of just, okay, well, you know, I have like this bathing suit and like these clothes and like baby has this. And so like we're washing the clothing in the sink and hanging it up and in Costa Rica because of the wind and the heat, like things dry within like an hour. And anyways, it's so hot that you barely need clothes, like other than your bathing suit, maybe like a t-shirt on top. So it like, it worked out perfect that like, that's all we had. Um, And then I remember one year there was a, there was an issue with water because they did not have a good rain season. And so there was like, there was, um, not an electricity break, but it was a water break that like for several hours we would go without water and then we would get water for a period of time just to ensure that, you know, people, everybody sort of had access. Um, and so, yeah, we just, you, you really needed to like think about like how you're washing dishes or like how you're doing certain, you know, certain things. And, and it just like gave you this really fundamental appreciation for things that we sort of take for granted until it's like taken away. And then you're like, whoa, you know, you really have to adjust your uh, living and your being to, to those limitations, like limitations. And, you know, it was fine. Like we, we, you know, we were able to do that. We didn't have a problem while, uh, you know, some of the other guests, you know, had a much more difficult time with that. But us having traveled to Costa Rica so many times, it was like, you just come to expect that things are going to happen. Like you're going to go maybe eight hours without power because wind passes through, tree knocks over electricity, and you're just not going to have power for a while. Like, And so we just kind of were like, okay, well, let's just go do this over here. Or like, let's just go there or let's take a nap. (laughs) You know, you just sort of made it work. And like, there was no sense in getting upset about it. It wasn't like anything you like, wasn't like anything you were going to do about it, anyways. That's the thing, excuse me. That's the thing, isn't it? And I just want to pick up on the water though, because I think water, of all the things in the years I spent overseas, no access, no access to water or clean water or whatever is probably the hardest thing. And what came up while we were talking was I responded to the emergence that earthquake in Pakistan back in 2005 there was a major earthquake in 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 the can't think of the place now but that's funny complete blank but in Pakistan there was an earthquake and I remember we were staying up in Kashmir that's it Kashmir we were staying up in Kashmir and we had really no access to to water to shower with now that's not a big deal but it was freezing cold and there was no hot water. So you had to wait, like boil water for almost a day. And I was just going in and out. So I just basically didn't shower for three or four days while I was there. And that kind of stuff, it's funny, it's you take it so for granted, water, that when you don't have it, it's harder. And that's just a shower. Like it's not, you know, that's not a big deal. There are people that live without access to 
fresh water, clean water. And the other thing that I thought of is, yeah, this like what you were saying about just going with it. What can you do? And I when I used to go through airports and places like that first, when I started traveling, I would get like a bit annoyed if things were delayed or, you know, anything will set you off, basically. And after a while, you just learn to there's nothing you can do if the flight's delayed, (laughs) the flight's delayed. You know, if they put you in the wrong seat, they put you in the wrong seat. If your luggage ends up being eight days late, it ends up being eight days late. As long as you're okay, what does it matter? There's, you know, when the when the actual problem arises, it's like you'll just find a way to make, you know, to make that work, right? Um, and so you know, we've sort of been talking about this in, in context of like travel and sort of just our, our, I guess, our personal lives. But, you know, I want to sort of just explore this idea of presence and and maybe maybe we should talk about what presence means like to you and, and to me and then like how maybe that's informing the way, maybe that's how, informing how we're changing in our perspectives in terms of business what are your thoughts Mm. on that yeah it's interesting isn't it because you I suppose there's so much out there about if you take meditation mindfulness all of these things that are meant to help you be better be more present whatever that might mean but what does it actually mean to be present And, you know, you and I are here now, we're looking at each other, we're right, even though we're not in the same room, we're absolutely present in this conversation, because we're, we're looking right at each other, we're responding to each other, you know, you're smiling at me, I'm nodding at you, I think that's presence, I'm not like looking out the window as you're speaking to me, I'm not making notes, well, not all the time in a way, Um, but I'm paying attention. And I think that's what it comes down to for me is presence is about where your attention is. And one of the ways I like to think about it is if you're outside and the sun is setting and the sky turns this miraculous kind of looking purple, red, pink, and there's just all of these hues of color that it kind of takes your breath away and you stop for a moment and you realize this is it you know this is just incredible I'm witnessing this amazing moment if I had arrived at this spot three minutes later I might have missed it and if I was busy on my phone while I walked past it I might have missed it so where is my attention focused And I think we focus so much of our attention on our thinking that sometimes we forget to to live that and to express it and to to lean into it, for want of a better phrase, because I don't really like that phrase. But where is your attention at this moment and how do you know that? And will that inform your next step? Or are you just in autopilot? Did you get in the car and drive home without even realizing you were in the car? I have totally had that be happen to me where I'm driving and then I'm like, I kind of like, I'm 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 there, but it's kind of like I sort of noticed something and I'm like, how did I get here? Like I just don't remember the last five minutes of me driving. I know I was driving because I know I haven't crashed my car and obviously like my eyes are, but it's just, you know, like I might've been thinking about something or, you know, sometimes I'll be, you know, be thinking about something and I'm used to going down the mountain to work, but I needed to go straight and I'm halfway down the mountain. I'm like, Oh shoot, this is not where I'm going. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And I love what you said about I think the thing that resonates really, or like that stood out to me to what you said is how much 
attention is being given to the intellect and to the mind while it, you know, like while it's extremely important, right? Like I need to be able to use my intellect and my thinking mind to like pass my tests and like gain knowledge. Uh, but I almost feel like the wisdom of that knowledge is like in that embodiment piece, like in the actual experiencing aspect, right? Like I can have all the knowledge in the world, but I don't really gather the wisdom until I've gone through the experience. I've lived it. There's like a lived experience of the knowledge in motion. And that lived experience is not just in my mind. It's my whole body's like and and it, my whole body needs to experience it. The the emotional part of me, the spiritual or soulful part of me, my physical body is having an experience. And I feel like we're all sort of cut off at the neck, you know, the base of the head, we're cut off and everything underneath that informs our experience, that informs the embodiment of the wisdom is just not there. And like, so uh, guilty. Um, I was thinking about this before our conversation. And I was sort of thinking to myself, you know, in my 20s and 30s, you know, it was really about like, go to school, get my university degree, get my profession, get into the professional world, start making money, right? Like start making money, start making money. And there comes a certain point that once you're kind of already are in that, that's when the discontent started sinking in. Like I was discontent doing the things that like we just do, like get, get the university degree, start your profession and like, oh, look, you're a professional now and you got your car and, you know, you bought a home or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but still, you know, it's still, it's not I'm going to put in air quotes, good enough, right? I need the next. So I I wonder if this churning or this need in our professional and business life to like, I need more, I need the next thing. I need to, you know, hit higher sales, higher revenue, get more people, expand my, if that is like an attempt to fill a void or some discontented energy or there's something that I don't want to feel or experience, or maybe I'm lacking a feeling that there's like this something that seems to be missing that I feel presence, right? Really starts to bring us back to our moment to moment experience that we can begin to experience moments of joy, awe, happiness, surprise, connection in the moments. And then I I feel like those things kind of go by the wayside as you're like trying to become this, whatever definition, this new culturally accepted definition of successes. And um, as we're striving toward this culturally accepted idea of success, we are becoming more and more actually discontent and disconnected, right? And I mean, we see that. We see that in the state of our world that when we're disconnected, you know, we're just, we don't treat things nicely. Exactly, exactly. And that's just, it's crazy because I was having these thoughts as well today. So we're definitely connected across the, I was actually walking to CrossFit just after I got your email earlier about what we might talk about. And I was thinking about how, you know, when you're a teenager, you want to save the world. But by the time you get into your 20s, it's all about saving yourself. And saving yourself is kind of setting yourself up for life. And what, what, what? the world and maybe not the world maybe that's not fair but a majority of the world or certainly the world we grew up in sees as success and you know I trained in accountancy in the big six in Dublin in the 90s and Ireland was booming you know it was heading for this whatever they called it the tiger economy 
And, you know, for me at that time, success was a dark green convertible BMW. Now, I never got one. OK, <laughs> I barely drive a car ever since. But at that time, that was the kind of that's where I was going, heading towards. And I could have easily stayed on that path if I hadn't traveled and seen more of the world, I think, and had myself opened up. There was probably still a disconnect or it was at least starting because you're absolutely right. They expected us to go to work from the head up. Mm. And I often say that it's like I remember hearing somebody saying that, you know, your head is or your body isn't a taxi for your head. (laughs) Your body has information that you can use, you know, and. Then for a long time, I think as I maybe struggled to fit in and find my place, because my definition of success wasn't that any longer, I took it out on success. So (laughs) instead, I thought success was a dirty word, a word that didn't define what I was going to achieve. And, you know, that, that this was my path over here, whatever that might be. And somebody kept telling me, a mentor of mine, you need to let that go. You know, you need to work out what success means for you because success is how you're going to measure your life and on your terms. And it took me a long time to make peace with that. And now I'm okay. Success means something different to me than it might mean to someone else. But there are still things in my life that I am setting out to achieve and accomplish I just want to do it with more more than my brain yeah I want to feel good as I'm on that journey towards something right and and so you know in the past few years for me is you know especially becoming a mom you know really um I was talking to somebody else too. We were talking about how like sort of when you move into your, your thirties, you start to think a little differently. Um, So I had like the double, you know, I became a mom. I was in my thirties, you know, like I had my, you know, professional career, I guess, sort of set up. And I just, you know, in the midst of like still striving, still striving, still striving and then crashing. And then now my health is like, now my body's, starting to speak up before my body didn't really speak up. It had the energy, it had the youthfulness, it had everything just to like keep the engine revving literally on high and it did not matter. But now there's like these cues that my body's starting to send. There's these other things that are telling me, Hey, like things are not in a, in, in alignment anymore. Right. Um, and so, you know, I really, that's what kind of funneled me into getting further, you know, back on track. I, I, I literally wrote down in my gratitude journal that I feel like I'm making a loop back around uh, in terms of like, I started university in anthropology, really interested in different cultures and how they did things and, you know, the whole mind, body, spirit and like soulfulness and spirituality. And, and then I kind of like, left that behind, entered more of the medical world for my master's and then entered the business world. And now I feel like I'm looping back to this like holistic um, way of, of being just because, you know, it's like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing all of this for? Right. Like I'm starting to ask those like deeper purpose questions and I was listening to um, Thomas Hubel speak yesterday. I I attended his live event and I know, I know. I I joined his mystic cafe because I just love how he is bringing in like modern day mysticism. Uh, And I just, I just find it. I'm just like, I just sit there with my like jaw, like open, just listening to him speak. Um, And he was talking about purpose yesterday about, there's like two parts of our purpose. One of which is to learn about what our contribution is to life, 
What is my contribution? What is my purpose? What am I here to do? And that is in and of itself, the unfolding journey. Like that is presence. And when he spoke to me, like, you know, well, you know, he, he coached me for 20 minutes. We had like a little mini around presence and how I was saying, like, I'm leaving this old world and I'm moving toward this new world, but I can't see, I don't know, you know, it's foggy. I can't quite, I don't know what my purpose is. I can't feel that like deep rooted fire. And like, is there something wrong with me that I'm not? And, you know, the sense that I got is that, you know, just taking those little steps moment by moment and seeing as you take those little steps, what is resonating back in your body? Like, what is that relational feel to the thing that I'm doing or want to do that begins the unfolding process of my purpose and my contribution to this world? So there's the one aspect of purpose. And, I, and it just felt so permissive to go and explore, but to not try to use my thinking mind to like solve this problem. Like, what is my purpose? What's my contribution here? That question is a more deeply aligned question that requires getting really present to all facets, right? Getting present to my higher true self. Yes, my third eye and my prefrontal cortex, the thinking mind is part of that alignment. But then what about my heart and my grounding? Do I feel grounded in what I'm doing and being? Is all of those things in alignment versus like, just my prefrontal cortex is that, you know, have a good, is that a good enough rational answer? So there's that part of purpose. And then the other part he talked about that is our purpose is also to discover and unwind our ancestral and collective trauma, because we arrive here from, you know, millions of years of human evolution and our ancestors and their experiences are written into our DNA. And that's, you know, we have our own family patterns. We have our own cultural patterns and it's our job to become present, to use our awareness to see, Oh, what are my patterns? Oh, I'm reactive over here to something. What is this about? And it's through presence through awareness, I bring my attention to, oh, I'm really triggered here. Okay. What is, what is the feeling in my body? How is my body experiencing this trigger? What are the emotions that are present here? And then can I sit with and soften around that to experience, to have that move through. So I gain more clarity about, well, what is a different choice than I can make versus the autopilot choice? And so that is, that is our work here. Our work, our life is this unfolding of finding our purpose. And I was like, oh, so you're telling me I don't have to have like the answer right this second you know, whether it's my business or my next entrepreneurial journey, like I don't have to have it all figured out so I can let go of the stress of that and be like, it's an unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, an unknowing, you know, being comfortable with uncertainty, being comfortable with not knowing and almost letting go of some of the stuff that you do know because that holds us back as well. Um, I was talking to somebody recently about journaling. And, you know, I was saying that a lot of people I know don't want to journal because they don't think their writing is good enough, even though it's private. You know, they don't think that they can start and it will be helpful and all of that. And she said, you know, we kind of the grammar police at school, hammered it out of us quite a lot and we have this performative thing around writing and so we put it off whereas actually it's not a performance you know you write every day you probably write notes on your phone and post-it notes and checklists and whatever but you can help to bring some of that clarity that unfolding and also you're helping your body 
to let go of these feelings you embodied when a teacher said something to you that wasn't particularly helpful or a parent or a classmate that laughed at you when you read something out funnily or whatever. I mean, I can remember being in French class and my pronunciation, I mean, I butchered French completely. And I remember one of my, 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 the person sitting beside me and she's one of my best friends. And I pronounced, um, pronounced, unfortunately, malheureusement very badly at the time. And she just laughed at me and, that shot down a part of my language and bothering, even trying, because I was like, well, if I can't do it, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Then I, you know, 30 years later, I end up living in Switzerland and it really held me back in speaking French. But I went for classes and I got better and I can remember getting complimented by French speakers on my pronunciation and all of that. So you kind of have to let go of the old you that served a purpose at the time, but isn't serving you now. And I think, think, yeah, (laughs) I was just going to say, I think that's what Thomas was talking about. There's like our like little traumas and then there's the collective and and it's our job to um, not get rid of those things, but just to like to bring awareness, take them out of the depths where it plays out automatically and essentially shine the light on them so that we can make a different choice, right? Because how much of that stuff is, you know, showing up in our business and in our entrepreneurial journey that is blocking us from doing the things that we want to do because it served the self-protective uh, purpose back then, like how we responded to the person who laughed at us or how we responded to getting, you know, an F on that paper or whatever the situation was that leaves this perhaps unintegrated piece. It's about integrating ourself back to wholeness and then leading our business and our entrepreneurial uh, from this more whole place. And as I work toward moving toward that, there's like this, um, like every time we meet in our groups and we, we, you know, we have coaching groups that we practice with, and we have teachers who come and speak to this, like every time I'm kind of in that collective energy, it's like, I feel like I'm home. Like there's this unspoken permission to just be myself and be okay with whatever it is that comes up, understanding that it's part of a very important process and that I don't have to fight against that. And I can just let go of the tension to be something, to prove something, to be perfect, to, and I think that's, the, you know, having this practice of presence in your life individually, but collectively is so powerful. And imagine what the world would look like. Imagine what, you know, businesses and corporations could look like if there was more individual and collective presence. Because what, you know, what I was thinking at one point you were saying, um, Like if my mind is somewhere else and most of the time, if we're in a team meeting or you're in a meeting with somebody and you have to have a difficult conversation, my mind is on trying to resolve my uncomfortable feelings and thinking about what to say next and how am I going to handle if they say this, that basically that conversation is not me being present to listening I'm think I'm busy thinking about what do I say next? And if they say this and how am I going to react and what am I going to do? And, and so it turns into this massive tension pool because they're probably picking up my energy that I'm feeling uncomfortable and they're feeling uncomfortable. And what's the end result? Does everybody leave that meeting feeling um, empowered and enlightened having you know, brought voice to a problem or is everybody leaving agitated and frustrated and then carrying that forward? That's 
brilliant because I've got so many things popping off in my head. But the one I'm going to pick up on most of all is the difficult conversations because this is what, if I look back over my career, this is what in the workplace I got really good at. And it was exactly what you said. It was about regulating my own feelings and sensations. And so if I look back, I I had to fire a lot of people over the years and or let them go for whatever reason. And it was often because, you know, there had been stealing going on or something like that. But the first person I ever fired, I was like sick to my stomach at the thought of having this conversation, even sitting in front of another human being and telling them that their job was gone. And, you know, this was somebody working in Uganda who wasn't earning a lot of money, was probably supporting their family. And I had so many like kind of guilty feelings about it as well, but they had done wrong. And there was, you know, they had, we had no option. But my boss said to me, if you don't feel like this, Susan, then there's something wrong with you. So it's important that you feel that you have another human being sitting in front of you. And it's important for you not to see them as, you know, like not treat them as people. So I learned that quite early on in my career and I got better and better and better at being absolutely present for the other person. Because one of the things I learned as I went, when you give somebody bad news like that, they shut down and stop listening. And so if you feel, oh, I have to keep talking just to, you know, keep the conversation going, no one's going to hear it. They're not, you know, the other person's not listening. So I learned to sit with silence, to sit and be present with the person in front of me, let go of time agendas, let go of everything else and respond to what they want. And the last person I fired gave me a hug, their personal email address and their personal phone number before they left the office. Because of that, they said, you know, the the compassion that I had shown and the the presence, I think, really is what they were talking about. But we didn't have the words for it, perhaps, that they were allowed to process what was going on for them. And so that's one of the key facets or tenets of my business now is helping people improve their own ability to hold difficult conversations because it's not the conversation that's difficult. It's just difficult for you to manage how you feel. And then we tend to get defensive or, you know, it'll spiral out of control. Or like you were saying, we're just waiting to, what are we going to say next? And what if they do this? And what if they do that? When actually it's about the unfolding. It's about letting go. And it's just about being there for the other person. And I think it's about seeing the humanity in the other person and treating everyone as people. hundred percent. And I'm, I'm trying to tune in, you know, to my own bodily experience as you, you know, speak to this because, you know, as a business owner, I've had to do the same and, you know, I know many colleagues that I have convert, like we have conversations around, Need, how to sort of deal with when we need to let people go, right? Um, and so I'm noticing a very visceral response, like my, you know, sort of my energy kind of, I felt it just dip down into my solar plexus, into my stomach region. And then there's like this um, nervous energy, this churning. And And what I notice in that sensation is I notice sadness because there's, there's a sadness for knowing that this person is also going to experience something, um, some sensations and emotions that are unpleasant. And so 
I, I can sense it like, I don't, and I don't know if sadness is the word, but I can sense the hurt that is present, you know, in those conver, you know, in those conversations. Um, and then there's this small part on the other side around um, the opportunity for connecting uh, on a human level. Right. And how that feels a little different for me than just anticipating, oh, I need to fire this person. There's like, okay, I need to, I have to do this because this is both the best, you know, op, it's the best thing for the survival of my company and my business or the position. It's also their opportunity as well. I can't, you know, their opportunity to learn and grow, you know, from, from that experience. Um while simultaneously looking at this opportunity um, to explore. And I, you know, I don't know that I've ever sort of thought, I mean, I've had inklings or sensations of this possibility existing, but never really uh, fully giving the space for that particular unfolding because I'm sensing this, these feelings within myself. And I'm like, Oh man, like, I know what that, I know what that energy is like. And I'm like, man, I just want to, you know, avoid that energy as much as possible, but it is about our work. And it's about like sensing those things coming up. And nobody said that business was going to be like, you can't, you're not just going to be on this one end all the time, nor is life. The goal is not to never feel anger or fear or sadness. That, that, that was never the goal, right? We've sort of made it like, oh, you have attained a full enlightenment once you experience nothing. And I don't no. think that's, I don't no. think that's the thing, right? No, it's, it's to sit about, with them, yeah. isn't it? It's really to, and you know, the thing about that, what I would say is those conversations never got easier yeah, I got better at at sitting with that, at, at at not allowing it to be about me, but honoring the presence of the other person, but also not denying it because I would always feel ill. Like I mean, it was always one of those, oh no, I can't believe I have to do this, you know, and it's going to be hard and everything. But it wasn't about me. Mm. It was about the other person. And the best thing I could do, I felt, was be the best version of myself there and then, which meant putting my attention on them. Yeah. And there's the work. Yeah, there's the work. Identifying all of that. And, and, and also, I think, you know what you said, like we avoid it, those feelings or whatever. I mean, we do. We have always got this approach avoid kind of thing going on and you want to shut it down because it's uncomfortable. But you just kind of make it your friend. Get a bit curious about what it is. And sometimes it isn't what you thought it was either, because if you take like, you know, the feelings that you get when you're excited and, it, you know, you might have like kind of your belly's jumping around the place and you're kind of a bit jittery and da, 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 da. it's not a million miles from feeling anxiety. And sometimes I think, you know, it's, I, there's this psychologist, um, Susan David, and she says, you know, it's information that you're getting. It's data. It, it's not necessarily true. And, and I think that's the thing. It's asking, what is this feeling or sensation about? What's it trying to tell me? How can I be with it without shutting it down? Yeah. And so for myself personally, like we talk about that deep inner work, that is, um, that is the journey that I'm choosing for myself at this particular phase in my life is, okay, I want to do that deep inner work because at first it was like, I want to show up as the best, best version of myself as a mom, right? That was the initial trigger for all of mm. this work is like, oh, I have this baby now. And, oh, I also recognize 
that it's bringing up things in me, my reactions and all of, you know, those things. And you start questioning, well, what does, you know, what does my life mean now? Because I left this old chapter behind and now I'm entering this new and I'm all like discombobulated. Um, But, and now it's like my daughter's getting a little older and again, still seeing certain patterns in myself. And it's still about being a better version of myself as, as a mom. But now I'm like, my business is like my, is like another part of me that I also want to show up as the best version of myself and for others that work for me. Like, how do I be better for my team? And how do I be better for my community? And how do I be better for, you know, like, what is my contribution about here? And so now it's like fine tuning the markers of success for me to, to really look at, okay, what else is there? And it's interesting because, you know, they talk about like the great resignation that's like sort of happening because of the pandemic. People are just like, it's no longer just enough to like have um, maybe a title and a paycheck associated right? Like people are sort of like, oh, the pandemic. And it's like, oh, well, this is no longer, it's no longer worth it. Okay. Well, what is, what is that worth it all about? Like, what is that about? What are people looking for and sensing for now when they work for a place or, uh, you know, what is, you know, I'm curious about what is underneath that. And I get the sense that you know, if there isn't this kind of idea of contribution and deep inner work, what is this? What What is the purpose of all this? You know, why would I risk myself to potentially get a virus? You know, like it starts to really pull us back into our soulfulness and our true selves. And like, why am I here? And what is it that I am doing here? What is the work that is mine to do? Yeah. <laughs> is the question that, you know, we're exploring is what is what, yeah, it's, I love that. That was one of the questions that I think it was Nicholas, Janai on the, on the, the course that we're doing asked. And it's a great question to ask, you know, and because I, I do think we get a little bit caught up sometimes on the word purpose as well. It's a bit like success. It's become that buzzword. Yeah. But actually just break it down. You know, what am I here for? What do I really want? What does the world want from me? Yeah. Where's my greatest contribution? Which is, I think, is that's what you said, you know, that um, Thomas Hubel was saying about life's contribution. Yeah. And... Yeah. And and I suppose, you know, what I think we uh, we haven't spoken about and we probably don't really have the time to get into this now. But if in workplaces, which is where I tend to do most of my work with with teams or individuals that are in in offices. Can you imagine all of the different parts of the journeys that people are on and we're all supposed to get on and get work done together? Is it any wonder? that systems don't get transformed or businesses are, you know, in trouble or whatever it might be, because you just have this collection of people who aren't in touch with anything outside of their brain. And then you have people who are in touch. I mean, you have the spectrum, but to actually really collaborate, we need to have compassion towards one another better understanding we need to be able to regulate ourselves it's not about blaming oh Madeline god she's such a pain she never gets anything right you know every time I give her something she doesn't know how to do it you know and Susan oh my god she's so annoying this is the narrative we go into rather than understanding what's behind the person's behavior what's motivating this reaction from them how can we get the best out of them? And I think if you reframe how you work with people to think like that, it just opens up a whole new world. And it's an exciting one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, obviously, like this, this conversation could go on and I'm sure we'll have like a, you know, a part 
two to, to this, you know, kind of conversation. So um, I think, you know, in terms of wrapping it up today, I, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, is there anything in particular that you're currently working or, you know, is something changing about your business or is there something you're working on or thinking about bringing forth to the world? Mm. Ooh, yes. <laughs> so I suppose, you know, it will unfold. I think that's the thing. I know that I'm not doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing, but I've aligned myself much better. And, you know, and I work with people who are interested in getting better results out of themselves or their teams or their organization. And, and that can be anything from just, you know, kind of reflecting back to them. I haven't started really exploring the present side as much yet or the embodied side, but that's the direction I'd like to go in. And I feel that alignment we talked about earlier, that alignment is there. And also there's a lot of synchronicity in things that have happened, even how I reached out to you, Madeline, because you know, I saw you got coached by Thomas Hubel. You mentioned a couple of words about anchoring and things like that that really resonated with me and, and the work I was doing myself. And I thought, I need to speak to this person. <laughs> and here we are speaking. And, and now I'm going to invite you to come and talk on my podcast because that's, I have a podcast called Life Beyond the Numbers. And it is about life beyond what success might be in a salary or what age you can start doing this work or not being seen as a payroll number or a statistic. There's so much more than numbers and we tend to use numbers to measure things. So I like to talk to people about how to have a more fulfilling work life and that can explore anything. And yeah, so you're going to have to come and talk to me. We'll well, do I think the second part, half of the conversation. Yeah, I was just going to say going. part two is going to be on your on your podcast. So now now you'll have to go over to her side to to get the you know further story. And I don't even know what part two is going to be because I didn't know what even today was going to unfold, and it just unfolded this way. And like, how cool! Um, so, and we'll put a link to your podcast in the show notes so people can uh, easily find that. If in the meantime, people want to find you and follow you, like where, what, where are you in the world? Ooh, that's quite a in the existential question. In, in the world wide web, you know, oh, okay. uh, more, more of like the typical places, like, are you on socials? Yeah. Do you have a yeah, website? Yeah, yeah. Like. You know, no, so LinkedIn is probably where I hang out most. Um, Instagram and Twitter. I mean, I'll give you all of that stuff to put into the show notes, but you know, I kind of social media, I get a bit tired of it, I go back to it. You know, it's kind of one of those things, isn't it? It's a necessary evil sometimes, but I also it's just another also number, it. it's just, another, it's just number. another number, yeah, it's just <laughs> another number. How many followers do I have? Am I <sighs> posting enough times? Is it, yeah. I feel yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. So yeah, it's one of those things I'm still like, ooh, where do I feel that? What's going on here? But yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. But I'll give you those details, sure, for the show notes. And then the podcast is available where anyone gets their podcast from pretty much. Yeah, that's amazing. Susan, I want to thank you uh, for taking time out of your schedule to, well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, for having the courage to like just find me, you know, on Google or however that worked out. I'm, I'm Googleable. So that's, that's good. You just search my name and you'll find something that, you know, so it was just so nice to like receive that email, um, you know, so unexpectedly, and then, you know, have this amazing conversation that turned now into this podcast. And, uh, you know, I just love having conversations around this to explore, you know, how are people thinking and feeling about this? And, you know, find, it's like finding your tribe and the beautiful part about, um, you know, where technology is at right now is like under any normal circumstance, you and I would have never met. Absolutely. Imagine the world just isn't, wouldn't be the same, Madeline, would it? 
No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. So thank crazy. you for, you know, reaching out and then, you know, taking time to have this conversation with me. Um, I, I very much appreciate it. And of course, I'm going to thank our listeners who join us on a weekly basis and like, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss my weekly podcast. And you're going to subscribe to Susan's podcast so you don't miss our ongoing conversation and unfolding exploration of presence and deep inner work. And uh, I will connect, we will connect with everybody on the next uh, episode. So bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.